CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. The guys here getting ready for a big show behind me. Here's what's coming up. FedEx is on deck for earnings next week. And Dan Nathan says investors should return this stock. He'll tell you how he's trading a failed delivery. Plus, it's been a rough week for Boeing. The stock is down 10% this week. And if you think there's more pain ahead, Myco has a way to profit for almost nothing at all. And biotech stocks are going wild. And the Chartmaster says there's something in the charts pointing to even more gains ahead. It's time to risk less and make more. The action starts now. And we start right there. A stock surge this year. The Nasdaq is the best performing of the major indices, up nearly 16% in 2019. And behind that move, biotech, the XBI, the ETF that tracks biotech stocks, up 27% so far this year, on track for its best quarter ever. And this could be just the beginning of a bigger breakout, according to the chart master. So let's get straight to Carter Worth over at the Plasma. Hey, Carter. All right, so in many ways, it's just a momentum or beta trade. I want to look at that in the context of other aggregates, but IBB versus XBI versus healthcare versus the market. And the trade here is just play XBI for follow through. Peak to trough declines. We know we had a Q4 wipeout. And if you were to look at the order, it's a descending order, XBI down the most, which is dominated by small cap because it's equal weight. Now, down a lot, but less. IBB dominated by the larger cap. Down a lot, of course, the market. A lower beta still, SPY, and then healthcare, um, which has very defensive characteristics, as all will know, Merck, Lilly, managed care stocks. So on the way down, uh, very much in line with the respective beta and risk of the four ETFs. Now look at the reciprocal. So if we move to uh, the ricochet, it's exactly the opposite, right? So XBI up 27% year to date, biotech up 18, the market, and then of course, healthcare, which again, slower, uh, calmer. And so the situation here is that if you are talking about the general plunge and the general ricochet in equities, um, and one is a believer that the ricochet continues, you want to, in principle, go with the thing that has had the most plunge and most bounce. And that's what the XBI trade is all about. So let's just look at a few um, charts. First, a comparative chart. It's the same thing as the tabular form on the last uh, screen in um, chart form. And what we know, of course, is that the more aggressive uh, the XBI, the more the bounce. And the bet here is that this is still a place that's going to deliver a performance. Now, look at the last five years. So here, too, talk about beta, the small cap way down and the way back up, the V. And so it's about risk, but it's about reward. Now let's look at the chart of the XBI itself. So many ways to draw the lines, but what we do know is two ways would be as follows. The well-defined tops from which it broke out, checked back, and then pivoted and went again. That is a nice setup. The other way to draw the lines, of course, is just a classic 
head and shoulders bottom. But either way, to my eye, we've got more follow through and XBI is the trade. Okay. Well, Mike is out in San Francisco today. So what's the trade, Mike? Yeah, so XBI is an interesting one when we take a look at biotech. We talk about it a lot, but when we do, we usually talk about the largest biotech names, names like Gilead and Biogen, things like that. Those tend to be the low multiple names, and they tend not to be that volatile. When you look at biotech ETFs, we usually talk about IBB, which also is not as volatile. XBI, as Carter was just pointing out, is significantly more volatile, and the reason is it's an equal weighted index, and it comprises almost 120 biotech stocks. So those big names that don't move a lot are offset by a lot of the smaller ones that really do. And how much do they move? These things move, on average, the 30-day volatility for these things is 65. So if you think about the price of options, compare that to something like the VIX, which was under 13 today. So these are stocks that can really move around. So going out and buying calls in XBI is going to cost you more than it would in some of those big stocks or in IBB. So I think the way we can play this is to look at a calendar call spread. We're going to choose one that's out of the money. Essentially, what we're hoping here is that the stock is going to run to the strikes that we select by the time the first option expires. And I was looking specifically at the May 97, June 97 call spread, you could spend a dollar five for that call spread. And obviously what we're looking for, if it rallies up to that strike, that first option could potentially expire worthless. We're gonna collect that decay. But that longer dated June option we're gonna own is still going to have some value and may even have gone up in value. So the trade here is really targeting an upside move from here of about 60 days, 7% to the upside. Carter can speak to whether or not that's the kind of numbers that he's looking for. But this is a, a situation we don't talk about XBI that much, but you know options are a good way to play this because a lot of these stocks have no earnings at all. So really what you're looking for, all of these things are essentially call options in and of themselves, call options on the biotechnologies that they're working on. Dan, how do you like the trade? So it's really interesting setup because I agree with Carter seeing technically and the way Mike is playing this through May and June, he's really playing for a move back up prior to where the stock would be or the ETF would be breaking out. So Mike's call calendar is doing something where he's giving himself some time to move up three, four, five percent or so and then he can actually has the optionality of playing for a breakout later on into the early summer so i like the trade i think that regular viewers of this uh show will know that we often do calendars we often get the technicals right we'll get the catalyst right and sometimes we get the trade wrong so it's obviously a look back here but i think mike is giving himself enough room with this calendar uh at least it's with the 97 strike to the upside i mean look it's all about picking the right time frame and, and mike has done that trying to find a, a vehicle I think we've done that. And uh, with a breakout here, you should get some pretty good eating. So it's as good a bet as there is. All right. And, and Mike, just last word to you. I mean, in terms of the fundamentals, it's, it does seem like XBI in particular, biotech in general, but XBI in particular, are a little bit more insulated from maybe the political headwinds of drug pricing, for instance, and the need to do acquisitions to bolster a pipeline. That's 100% true because, I mean, other than the bigger names like the Amgens, Biogens, Gileads, and things like that, most of these other names are completely idiosyncratic stories. It's one of the reasons they don't have any earnings. So essentially you have a lot of relatively small companies that are call options on pioneering technologies that they're trying to work on, and going out and buying any one of those is a pretty risky exercise because obviously you have a lot of panel dates and approvals and things that you have to work, you know, are these technologies really gonna pan out? But when you buy a basket of them, you're really betting on biotechnology in general, and I think that's a smart thing to do. And I think the way Carter has sort of laid it out, now's a good time to do it. 
All right, let's move on here. A number of big names, including Micron, FedEx, Nike, Tiffany, all reporting earnings next week, and the options market is implying some pretty big moves on the results. Shares of FedEx already sitting deep in a bear market, down more than 35% from its highs. And Dan is uh, betting that the stock's going to fail to deliver on the results. Yeah, I think this is a really important one of all those names that are reporting next week because it's going to give us a sense um, of where this global economy is right now. This is a company that when they reported their fiscal Q2 on December 18th, basically laid an egg and the stock went down 12% the next day and they basically uh, blamed weak global growth. You have to understand here, this company was in the throes, or this stock was in the throes of that sell-off that we had and it greatly accelerated because of their fundamental news. We hadn't had the government shut down yet. We do know that there was this overhang with Brexit. We know that there's some disruption with trade in China because of this um, trade war that we're in. And none of those headwinds that the company really missed on when they reported in December have actually abated for all intents and purposes other than that government shutdown. So when I think about the quarter that just ended at the end of last month, I say to myself, they're going to have the same uncertainty. They're going to have the same headwinds that they had last quarter. And the visibility is going to be really poor. So I think about this, the implied move in the options market is about 6% between now and next Friday. Most of that is for the earnings event. Um, on average, over the last four quarters, the stock has moved about 5 5.5% um, or so. So I look at this thing. I look at a one-year chart. I look and see where it failed. It failed it last month right at that gap level from December. There's the chart right there. And if you look at the five-year chart, that 185 level is actually a pretty massive level. I'll let Carter speak to that and how that looks relative to the transports. But when they report next week, I think it's really important important to understand that last month they announced that they lost their president and COO, a 42-year veteran of this company, thought to be the heir apparent of the CEO, and then all those other macro headwinds. And I say to myself, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to, uh, to, to beat and guide up. If they guide down one more time, this stock's going to go test those lows from late December. And I think that's just a trade. That's what you want to do. That's what you want to set up for. And then if we get back to those lows, I think this is a really cheap stock. It's a really well-managed company. And I think it's kind of priced for a better 2019 after that. So here's the trade. I'm looking out to April expiration when the stock was 178.5. You could buy the April uh, 175, 155 put spread, paying $4 for that, buying one of the April 175 puts for $5.15, selling one of the April 155 puts at $1.15. That costs you $4. It breaks even at 171. You could make up to $16 between 171 and 155. And obviously your risk is that $4 between 171 and 175. Above that, you lose the full $4. I think, you know, 2.5% of the stock price, you have the potential to maybe make up to four times your money if they do miss and guide down, and you have a month for this to play out. Mike, what do you think of the trade? You know, I I think it's really interesting how cheap this put spread is going into earnings, given how sharply the company has moved after they've reported relatively recently. Less than 3% of the current stock price is really dirt cheap to make a bet going into earnings. And it's a good thing, too, because the stock is also dirt cheap. It's trading about 10 times forward earnings. This is a company that hasn't seen an EPS decline. It hasn't seen a revenue decline. This is one of the cheaper valuations we've seen in this name going back two to five years. So you really have to see a lot more bad news, essentially, I think, to see further weakness in the stock. And if you're inclined to press a bearish bet after the declines you've already had, a put spread is absolutely the way to do it. And right now, I'm actually surprised that you can put this trade on for the price that Dan's identified. So um, just looking at the chart that, uh, that Dan started with, what we know is the stock peaked before the stock market, right? It peaked in June around 270, 
and its lows with the stock market in December. That's a 44% decline down to 150, twice the rate of the S&P. Talk about beta and cyclicality. And now it has bounced quite a bit, but it's back to the level from which it gapped down, a news-related gap. A lot of supply comes into play, resistance, whatever you want to call it, and the odds are as good as any that it gaps again on an earnings miss. Yeah, and I would just say that Mike made a really good point. I wouldn't press this short. This stock is down a lot. It's really cheap. This is a really well-managed company dealing with a whole host of issues that are out of their control. And this is a stock that as soon as we have better macro clarity, you're going to want to own FedEx here. But I'm just playing for one more miss and guide down next week, and I'd be out of this. And I think a lot of people would be really kicking the tires at this thing back at 160 with estimates much lowered uh, for the balance of the year. Right. Still ahead, the Boeing fallout continues. The stock is down nearly 10% this week. And if you think there's more pain ahead, uh, we'll tell you how to trade the stock for nothing at all. And for everything Options Action, don't forget to check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can check out our super cool newsletter, too. What are you waiting for? We've got much more show right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Boeing bouncing back a bit today, saying it will roll out a software upgrade to its 737 MAX, but it is still having its worst week in three years as the company continues to deal with the aftermath of this last weekend's deadly crash. And as uncertainty surrounds the company and the stock, Mike has got a way to trade it for next to nothing. So let's go to Mike. Where's called action? Mike. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting, of course. Obviously, the stock seemed to level off a little bit over the course of the last couple of days. But I still think that there is some potential downside here. You know, Melissa, you were asking an important question earlier this week, how, you know, the situation that we've seen with Boeing here might differ from prior situations. And we have that because we had these two crashes very close together, virtually brand new aircraft. And of course, the question is, was there something that was known in between the first and the second that should have grounded these airplanes a little bit sooner? If something like that comes out, and they were working on this software, as you just pointed out, that could point to potentially some increased liability and further downside for the stock. You know, the second thing I would point out is that it is still sharply higher than where it was in December. And I think that level that we saw back in December might actually represent a potential area of some support for it. And finally, because it is so, you know, news-driven at this point, we've seen options implied volatilities rise pretty significantly. So the trade, I'm taking, I think we ought to take a look here first at a, at a three-month chart. We can go back to that December level that I was referencing. It traded down to 294 at the 378 close that we saw here today. You know, we're talking about an increase of over 20% from just those lows. So even net of the 10% decline that we saw this week and the declines that we saw in the week prior, it's still substantially higher. And the stock's not overwhelmingly cheap. It's trading 18 times forward earnings as it currently stands. That's a premium to a lot of other peer group, especially in the defense industry, and about the same as Airbus. So it's not like it's a screaming bargain here. So with options also not a screaming bargain, being somewhat elevated, I think one could make a modestly bearish bet on it in the event that we get further news. And I was looking out to May at the 340, 315, one by two put spread. When I was looking at this earlier today, you could spend $6.50 for the 340 puts. 
Then you could sell the lower strike 315 puts for 325 a piece. You're selling two of those. So net net, you're not laying out any premium. And here's how this trade is going to work. If the stock does trade below 340, from 340 down to 315, you're going to see profits because you own that 340 put. Below 315, you're going to have the stock put to you at expiration. Effectively, you're going to own it. But because you made $25 on the way down, your effective purchase price on those shares is going to end up being 290, which is actually just below those December lows. And I, I, you know, at that point, actually, it is going to be trading at a relatively attractive valuation. That represents a pretty significant decline from where it is right now and would represent a big discount to where it has been trading over the course of the last couple of years. So I'll ask Carter what he thinks of that support level and whether that would represent, from a technical point of view, a good entry point. From a fundamental point of view, it seems to be reasonably attractive. But it does seem that you know we're going to get more news and some additional downside risk is possible here. So in terms of support, there is a considerable amount of support at the level from which the stock gapped up on Jan 30. Uh, we've retraced that exactly. If you believe in uh, gap filling theory, while not all gaps are filled, a lot are, the stock gapped up on an earnings beat and is now down peak to trough 18%, which for now we have price discovery, right? It is discounted the fact that it's not just two random accidents, they are related and that there's a problem with the aircraft. From here to go lower, you have to start getting into lawsuits and culpability and secret memos and that kind of stuff. But basically, other than that, I think you're at support and uh, my hunch is there's not a lot of downside. Dan? Yeah, so what I think is really important about this trade, Mike was talking about the scenario in which you were put the stock and you're effectively long it, but there's a whole scenario between 290 um, and 340 where you actually have a lot, a, a big range of profitability because that's what you're really playing for. The ideal scenario in May expiration would be that this stock is at 315 and the put spread that you own is worth $25 and you paid nothing for it. That's the best case scenario. So I think there's a, you know, there's a wide range of options with this trade. And if you were prepared, worst case scenario to be put the stock, then that's, you know, you're playing for an overshoot of Mike Strikes right there. But I like the trade structure because you're not laying anything out. And the most highest probability scenario is that the stock is above 315 on May expiration. Mike, last word. Yeah, I mean, the other thing I would say is that if the stock trades right about where it is right now or even comes a little bit but doesn't get down to that 340 strike you own, there is a possibility that implied volatility, the price of options, comes in a bit. If it does, the 315 puts are actually going to decay probably more rapidly than the 340s. You may actually have an opportunity to take this off at a profit, even if it doesn't get down to those levels if implied volatility does drop. All right, coming up, chip stocks ripping higher today, extending their big rally this year. We'll tell you that why that's good news for one of our traders. Plus, got a burning question for the options traders? Well, congrats, because we are taking your tweets later on in the show. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. More options action right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of open trades. In February, Dan said Nike could wind up in trade war turmoil. 
I think Nike has the potential to be rejected here in the mid-80s and maybe move its way back towards 85, using earnings as that catalyst in March. Obviously, we have no idea what the outcome is going to be of this trade situation. I don't think we're going to have a clean deal anytime soon. So I want to look out to April expiration when Nike was trading at 85 and a quarter. You could buy the April 85.75 put spread, paying $2.50 for that, buying one of the April 85 puts for $3.10, selling one of the April 75 puts at $0.60. Cents. Again, it costs you $2.50. Your break-even's at 82 and a half. Well, Nike is still moving higher heading into next week's earnings report. So how do you play uh, this one now, Dave? Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, the stock's up 2%. The stock was 85 and a quarter. Today closed 86 and 80. You know, it's trading near those highs. Um, am I ner- nervous into earnings? Not really. I just don't think that they're going to have any gusto that's going to get this thing breaking out in a meaningful way. The, the put spread, $10 wide, that cost 250 is now about 175 I think you kind of stick this one out a little bit. I mean, I think you've got this dead to rights. Think about the sort of month-over-month performance. It's basically has gone nowhere versus the stock market and large cap, which has gone much higher. All right. Fallow asset. Also in February, Mike said NVIDIA could be ready for a breakout. This is the level that I'm talking about right down here. Basically hit a bottom, I think it was about 131 bucks. So that's basically the level we're thinking. We want to give ourselves some cushion in the event that it goes back to that level. So how do we put this trade on? I was looking at the March 130, 150, 165 call spread risk reversal. So what are we doing? We're selling the 130 put for 385, buying the 150 calls for $6.70, and then selling the 165 calls against it. Net, net, you're spending 55 cents to put this structure on. All right, well, looks like Mike was spot on with this one, Mike. What do you do next? Yeah, you don't actually need to do anything except, I guess, take a bit of a victory lap. You know, we mm-hmm. put this trade on for $0.55. Cents. It's worth $1,500, but it expired today. So if you have this trade on in your account, now you've just got the money. Uh, you know, I think we should ask Carter whether he thinks NVIDIA still has some further upside. I do. You do? All right. So bullish. Well, we'll see if Mike will do a trade next week. <laughs> Coming up next, your tweets in the final call. Final call time, Mike. Yeah, the May 340-315, one by two put spread for nothing in Boeing. Carter. Spiders Biotech, XBI, long. Damn. Uh, yeah, FedEx, I would not short it, but I'd look at that put spread in April. All right, that does it for here on Options Action. Uh, catch us back next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, do not go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. Have a terrific weekend. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.